a subtree, and and but I could have changed them all. It's not possible that the opponent is more hungry than you are. I think it's nothing to do with tactical. Uh, that uh, the first two goals uh, is about yeah dealing with the ball. I think they they follow my instructions and but yeah they make bad decisions and yeah, that is football. There's a there's a game of mistakes and we get punished. Now, at about 4.45 on Saturday, I didn't think that anybody would be able to make my day feel better after Reading had been pummeled and humiliated by Rotherham in a 4-0 thrashing. Thankfully for us, we have the 2022-2023 Manchester United team to make everything feel a little bit better for us at the moment. Matt Furness and Oliver Hopkins joining me once again on the day-to-day live today. Thanks very much, everybody, for tuning in. And yes, we do need to talk about United, I think. And already, he's only just got back from a week's well-deserved break. But Matt has been diving into the data behind Manchester United's um, tricky start to the season. Well, not on paper. You'd expect that United, with no disrespect to Brighton and Brentford, who finished ninth and 13th in the Premier League last season, that United should be expecting at least a point from those two games. Um, But they've been fairly dreadful in both. The, The Brentford game was obviously a lot worse than the Brighton match. To be 4-0 down after 35 minutes, I mean, you've got to be Watford away at Man City to do that. It, that's, that shouldn't <laughs> be happening to United at Brentford. But it was just a disastrous display from, from United at the back. Obviously trying to play out from the back, which they aren't quite clearly able to do. Uh, De Gea is not comfortable doing that. Players like Harry Maguire don't seem to be that comfortable doing that. They two of the goals they conceded came from high turnovers. That's something that's never happened in a Premier League game by Man United uh, since Ferguson retired. Um, and like there was just another. They had I think in the two games so far they played, there's been like they've averaged or they've had eight shots. The opponents have had eight shots following a high turnover against United, so four per game. Last season that was one point six per game. So teams know they can press. United at the back when they're trying to play and cause them problems. Ivan Tony said that in the post-match interview on Sky, saying we knew they weren't comfortable, we just went for them. And they've got Liverpool <laughs> next <laughs> on Monday. Like You know they are going to be going for it. So it's, it's not looking good. I mean, they started the season with two defeats. That's the first time, or it's only the second time they've done that in the Premier League era. The first time was in 92-93, and they won the title that year. So yeah, they're not going to win the title this year, are they? But I think it's it's too early to really write United off for a top four place, I think. Um, Ten Hag will get them playing how he wants eventually. It's it's one of those things where I think United, that United team that won the league in 1993, it won only three occasions that a team has uh, finished in the top four after losing their first two games of a Premier League season. And only one of those has come in a 38-game season. That was Spurs in 2011-12. So it doesn't look good for them, but you can't entirely write them off at the moment. Um, but it's not looking good, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you do feel a bit for, for Ten Hag. I mean, just the, the litany of, of errors and mistakes that the team are making at the moment, um, that is just punishing punishing him and, and punishing the team. I mean, they've already made three errors leading to goals so far this this season. Obviously, we had 
De Gea you know, doing that twice against against Brentford. Um, and you know, last season there were there were six teams who who made um, like fewer everything leading to goals across the entire season. Um, so uh, you, know, the, you, you you simply cannot win matches when you kind of make well, that's just it isn't it like you make it so easy for the opponents by gifting goals like the De Gea error with the first goal had he saved that United yeah. go on for another five ten minutes without conceding it could have been a completely different game it's just setting yourselves up for failure when you're conceding such easy goals I mean United last season conceded four at Watford uh in that game and they were terrible that day and it should have been more and you know, we all know how bad Watford were last season, especially at home. So it, it's not really changed so far, is it, from last season? It's going to take a lot longer for Ten Hag to, to get that ethos across that he wants to put in place at United. And everyone, I think a lot of United fans were very confident after a solid pre-season. <laughs> but as, as we, we, we had on the newsletter, didn't we, that we pre-season form is nothing to, to write home about. There's nothing that you can really take right. from that. And using into the league form, I think I think De Gea is is the elephant in the room here. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about about Maguire at the back, who's you know, who's not been great either. But De Gea's ability to play out from the back has long been an issue for for this side. Um, and he's just not comfortable with the ball at his feet, and you know he sort of got away with that by you know being seen as a, a you know a, a good shot stopper. Um, but you need more than that from a goalkeeper now, don't you? Well, exactly. I, I think I think even that sort of side of his game is is starting to come under question as as, as well. Um, and what's been interesting, I actually ran the numbers this morning about um, on goal kicks and looking at outfield players taking goal kicks. Um, and this season already, Martinez has taken eleven short goal kicks to De Gea, <laughs> um, which is, Sunday league, which is the the second most um, that someone's taken who's not a goalkeeper in a single Premier League season. Um, so. They are persisting with a with a short goal kick strategy, um, often kind of going shorter to Hay and then kind of like trying to um, invite the press to kind of play play through it. But you know, as we see with the uh, the second Brentford goal, you know, De Gea just hasn't got that sort of that sort of passing ability to be able to to function um, that kind of as part of that, that first phase of build up play. Um, and they could have had Dean Henderson. Well, I mean, it and, and, it's, and it's it's kind of getting to that point. I'm, I'm comparing what we're seeing right now with De Gea with what we saw with Joe Hart under Guardiola for a little while. At the, there yeah. was this little term where Guardiola very quickly realised, look, great shot stopper, good presence at the back, but he can't do what I need him to do defensively. He, he can't be that first bit of the build-up play. And at some point, as you say, Henderson... I think there could be questions there as well, but he was outstanding for Forrest in, 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 at the weekend. United need to, if they're going to persist with this, they're going to persist with this slow, patient, methodical build-up from the back. De Gea's time is numbered at Old Trafford now. And look, we've got 15 days left in the transfer window. Could United pull the trigger and get rid of De Gea? And get, now, that's not to say there's someone else in. They had someone else in, in Henderson. But could United actually really pull that trigger and go, you know what, let's cash in on De Gea now and let's go get ourselves someone who can play the style that maybe Ten Hag needs at the back for United? Who would take De Gea, though, for, for the money that it would cost? 
I mean, it's, it's, it, but is it the case that they just need to cash out? I mean, come on, Barcelona can pull another lever. They can probably sign. Yeah, there, so. yeah that is that is true. I, I think it's uh, it's not looking good for United with Liverpool coming up next. Um, it's not going to be as bad as 1930-31 when they lost their first 12 <laughs> games uh, on the way to relegation. That's a top flight record from the start of the season. Um, but yeah, they've never lost their first three games of a Premier League season. The last time they, they did that in a top flight season was 1986-87. So I th- I'd say it's odds on that that's going to happen again this this uh, after Monday night's game against Liverpool next week. Um they won their Liverpool won their five nil last last season, four nil at half time. That was that was the first time they ever conceded four goals in the first half of a Premier League game. Or oh, sorry, we're four nil down at half time in a Premier League game. The second time was last weekend. I wouldn't write off it happening again next week. Just I mean yeah, I mean it's on that sort of tendency of conceding goals. I mean since Ferguson left the club, they've conceded four or more got four or more goals in thirteen different Premier League games, which is, you know, that's three more than the next sort of one of the, the big six was who Spurs who conceded it of 10 times. So, you know, they have certainly, um, you know, suffered from, from you know, being, um, just being battered in, 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 in games. Um, and, you know, that's for a side like them, you know, not used to that. It's, uh, it's, it's very, uh, it's very fun for everyone else, I imagine. But it all comes down to the ownership, doesn't it? Since Ferguson left, there's been investment in other clubs that they've been able to get ahead of United. And now United are probably the sixth best team in the Premier League on paper. Is yeah. Arguably, you could say, even seventh. Um, it depends if Newcastle can make that push, doesn't it? So it's not looking great. Um, I don't see it changing anytime soon. The, the Glazer ownership isn't going to change the way they run the club. Um, they've got massive issues off the field as well, like a stadium that's decaying, not not really one of the best in the country any longer. So it's uh, sad times to be a United fan, really. Yeah, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like, you look at how Arsenal have been criticised over the years for what they did with their sometimes not spending on the team, having a very clear philosophy and what they were going to buy, obviously had to finance the Emirates and such like as well. And yes, the Cronkies took an absolute beating around the Super League, as did every team in the Premier League, rightly took a beating around that. But I bet you right now, every Manchester United fan would want the Cronkies as owners at Old Trafford with a, with a vision that is you coming... You have the Cronkies as owners over the, the Glazers. Yeah. Anyone, mate. <laughs> Jimmy Cranky. Bassini, <laughs> would you want him there? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Won't go into the guys anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we'll touch we'll touch the nerve and see if we get to it. Anyway, um, if you want to read more about this piece, do head over to theanalyst.com. Matt's done this brilliant deep dive into the data behind United starts of the season and what it could mean to the bonus Dion Dublin in old blue shirt. Yeah, features the Dion Dublin goal as well. Yeah, just get the doob in there. That's what we want. We all want to see those great musical instruments out and playing. Right then, we've only focused on one game this weekend. It was a cracking weekend of action. Uh, plenty to pick apart. Uh, we're just going to go round and roll around one of our key moments or highlights or factual points from the weekend that we want to point out. So let's go to Ollie. Ollie, what have you picked up from the weekend's play? Uh, I quite enjoyed uh, Erling Haaland's pass map from the... Uh... City uh, Bournemouth game, yeah, you've got it there. Um, yeah, made two passes in 74 minutes um, of, of play. One was from kickoff, one was the assist. 
Um, so both very, uh, very functional things in that you kind of want to do in football. So I guess we, there's there's that. Um, he was replaced by Alvarez, um, who, who made three passes in his 15 minutes of, of action. So I guess a better pass per minute ratio, but, but still not, not loads. Um, I think it might kind of point to maybe the way that City are going to use particularly Haaland um, as a, you know, very much a, the sharp end of, a, of, a, of their attack. Um, almost his presence is enough in itself to kind of stretch uh, defences back with the kind of the, the threat of him running in behind, which can open up space for, um, you know, the more technical players to play in front uh, of of back fours and back fives. So, um, I mean, yeah, like that's very peculiar to only complete two passes in, in you know, uh, that level of, of time. But, um, you know, got the assist, they obviously got the win. Um, and yeah, I think his, his his level of involvement will only probably grow as he gets more comfortable in, in, in system as well. Matt, how about you? What did you pick out from the weekend's play? Absolutely zero statistical uh, input from me here, but Conte versus Tuchel. Um, love it. Absolutely loved it. It was like one of those, you know, those joke electric shock handshake things at the end. It was like one of those uh, Tuchel had armed himself with Conte. You just got to love a bit of needle in Premier League games. And and we haven't really had that in recent times. I think the Battle of the Bridge, obviously, back in, I think it was 2015, 16, wasn't it? We saw the record number of yellow cards dished out. Since then, this fixture's had a bit of spice added to it. Um, and it's probably the fixture now, isn't it, where we look to uh, for that fun side of kind of like, where professionals absolutely lose their head, which is what you want to see in games, because it actually makes the game between those two teams better. When when there's added spice to it, like every game, like we've seen, or not every game, the majority of games we've seen between Spurs and Chelsea since have been really good to watch, fun. There's been some drama towards like late goals or... Um, incidents that have happened as well. I know there's question marks over whether that goal should have been... Well, there isn't really a question mark. It shouldn't have been allowed yesterday after uh, Cucurella's hair was pulled. Uh, but it was it was fun to watch as a neutral. Um, and I think Spurs probably deserved something from that game. Um, so, yeah, that was my favourite moment of the weekend. It, it's not... Like, when you see Pep and... Uh, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp kind of be so friendly towards each other it's not it's not a terrible thing but i you kind of want to see that wenger ferguson needle or wenger Mourinho needle where it just adds something to that game and makes it so much more watchable as a neutral um so yeah i loved it i loved it yesterday i thought it was brilliant and if i was to do a statistical uh <laughs> you don't have to do I, statistical you can honestly, just do... i'm gonna add just about Forrest's first win. I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Forrest, even more so now they signed Emmanuel Dennis from Watford. Um, <laughs> and it was great to see them pick up their win. It's the long, longest gap between two wins in Premier League history. Um, haven't got the exact number. I should have the exact number. It's 8,000 and something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, they got lucky. Well, lucky in terms of they saved a penalty. Um, and the player who handled it probably should have been sent off. Um, but it was a it was a fortunate goal for for uh, A1E. And yeah, I, I think it was just nice to see them pick up a win. So we've now seen Bournemouth win, Forest win, and I can't remember who the third promoted team were. Fulham. Fulham. Two, Fulham. two draws. They, yeah, two draws. So they've made all good made good starts. 
uh, to the season. Tom Hancock wrote a piece ahead of the start of the Premier League season about the Premier League survival uh, Premier League survival guide, and two of those were get good starts, try and pick up eight points or more from your opening five games. No team's ever gone down after winning that many. And do well at home. Uh, Fulham obviously drew with Liverpool in their opening game at home, which was unexpected. And then Bournemouth and uh, Forest are both on their first home games. So looks like they read his survival guide. <laughs> That's all you need now. In the old 10 years ago, you used to just take the XG from Opta, turn that into your print. Now you just have to go to the analyst.com and buy a survival guide. I mean, it's. Can, quite... can we also talk about Scott Parker wearing a cardigan in a 36 degree heat as well as we can? A £750 cardigan as well. Not not just like little natty thing from Primark. I, I thought this weekend might be the first time ever we saw a Premier League manager wear a vest. So I was disappointed. <laughs> we might see it tonight still. It's a bit cooler, but Jürgen Klopp in a cool string vest. Would be really nice. Short sleeve, he could go for it. Um, my moment of the weekend, I was actually going to go for something from Chelsea Tottenham, and I'm just going to do it very quickly. Harry Kane, now second in the list for most 90th-minute goals in the Premier League. Uh Bonus points to Ollie because I bet Matt knows this one. I'm going to go. Does Ollie know who leads this chart? Kane's got 13 of them, and the other player has 15 of them. Is it? Uh, I've seen a name, but I'm not sure whether he, Hurricane, leapfrog this guy or whether he's the leader. Uh, Jermaine Defoe, where does he stand? Is this Stephen Gerrard? Jermaine Defoe is the leader. 15 oh. 90th oh. minute How many Gerrard? Oh, you're asking Gerrard. I mean, I, I could try and work this out, but I'm not going to right now. But yeah, Kane, right, uh, yeah. incredible. I, I want answers. <laughs> closing even more in on uh, Alan Shearer's all-time record. That uh, again, we'll, we'll have to update our charts and such like. And Level the moment, Sergio Aguero now as well, 184. So exactly. And what yeah. a way to celebrate 30 years of the Premier League there from Harry Kane. You know, our league really uh, boosting itself forwards there. But uh, Actually, I want to talk, talk very briefly about Arsenal, and it's not just because I'm very much invested in all or nothing at the moment um, and very much enjoying that. But one player we actually highlighted at the start on the Analyst 50 was uh, William Saliba, who's obviously had a very long time at Arsenal, but spending a lot of time out on loan at clubs. I just want to do a little bit of a comparison because he came in for a bit of a tough time this weekend. Obviously, the own goal in that 4-2 uh, victory for Arsenal has led some people to... Wonder what he's going to bring to uh, again. I'm just going to go back to a chart that we actually had in the Analyst 50, which is all about his carries for Marseille. He was the uh, defender who carried the most ball per 90 of any player in league uh, last season. As you can see, a real key part of what the Marseille team did as they finished second in the table. Now, I appreciate this is a smaller sample size, but look at that carry chart and look where the areas he's happily carrying and how many of those balls that he is carrying over five metres or more are going forward and are going into areas where it would be able to support his teammate. I think he's a very... I think there's no doubting that he was going to come in and really help this Arsenal team and really boost them forward. But I think it's... You're doing it's, the one in the six-yard box, like a FIFA glitch. Well, you, just, you know, sometimes you've just got to carry a ball away from someone, but it's all, <laughs> it's all part of how I think Arsenal are a much more progressive team this season. They've finally got that identity. Whether it's the confidence through having Jesus now up front or other players that are settled in, but I think that's going to be something to really keep our eye out as the season rolls on, is how much Saliba is able to bring that player who was so dominant in League 1 last season and bring it to the fore in this Arsenal team. I agree, it's a different league. It's a different challenge for him. But They've added players that they needed in their starting eleven. unlike other clubs that have added squad players that would be <laughs> useful, like Zinchenko, Jesus, both champions, Saliba, 
was fantastic, as you say, on loan at Marseille last season. So they've added three great players to their starting eleven. Um, I can't remember who it was that tipped Jesus to be top goal scorer this season. I can't remember. Oh, it was me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be happening. I think that, like, he showed on Saturday how dangerous he is. Probably should have had a hat trick. Um, yeah, Arsenal are looking brilliant. I didn't see all of the game this weekend, but I watched the first game against Palace and I thought Saliba was exceptional. I thought he was a great uh, option or great player for uh, Arsenal at the back. Thought he looked really solid despite his young age. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for Arsenal. Um, top four beckons, I think. Yeah, I mean, on Saliba, I think, I think the own goal was a bit unfortunate. I think he had to stoop for the header because Vardy would have had a tap in. So, I don't think there's obviously there's always blame when you do something wrong and like you know you, you, you score on goal it's not what you want to do but I don't think that you know is, is a particularly like big blemish on his his early copy um, copy book uh, yeah I mean he also made the most passes of any player in Liga last year so he's very comfortable on on the ball very good at carrying it as 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 we've shown there and um, yeah I mean that's that's what Arteta wants from his side is confident ball playing um tens half and you know Saliba is only going to grow in confidence from um from here on so yeah he's a great addition to the starting 11 as, as Matt has said there and earlier we were talking about United possibly replacing <laughs> De Gea quite early in the season it's exactly what Arsenal did at the start of last season Leno started really poorly got Ramsdale in and they've been better since um, Ramsdale obviously much more comfortable with the ball at his feet playing it out from the back um so yeah, could be the uh, the Arsenal way that Man United look to to replicate this season. It's funny talking about De Gea. They're uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, Football Biz Message. No team would play De Gea's contract. I think that, let alone like the Irish version of De Gea. <laughs> it feels like like <laughs> the spelling, but it, I think it's also a very good point there to make. Is that okay? At the end, we're talking about a transfer fee. There is wages that De Gea is on from the years where they've kept him at Old Trafford and begged him to stay and really have thrown not so good money after not so good money there potentially is this another thing that comes back and bites United actually if they if Ten Hag sits yeah. there this morning and wakes up and go I do want rid they're going to be as you said earlier I think Barcelona would probably pay it they'd probably find a way <laughs> one of those other magic levers they haven't yet pulled mm. and that's 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 all they need to find right then uh, very quickly just going to look forward to tonight's game this is a very quick little brush through this palace versus liverpool long break from palace from that friday night game where against arsenal early doors they actually looked um sorry not early doors midway through the second half really began to put a little bit of pressure on the arsenal team and that's something i think Vieira will hope to build upon obviously heck of a challenge for them has to be said heck of a challenge to come up against this Liverpool team that are just in already pretty decent form, even if it was only a 2-2 draw last time out. Yeah, 20 games unbeaten for Liverpool now. It's the longest unbeaten run of all uh, Premier League clubs currently. But last five games, they conceded the first goal in every game. Um, one, three, drawn two of those, I think. Um, so Palace could get a good start as whether or not they can hold on to that lead. They've got some really exciting attacking players, as you say. Um, did cause Arsenal a few problems uh, last weekend. Uh, so, yeah, it's not uh, like a complete write-off that Palace can get a result at Anfield, but you think that Liverpool probably got too much uh, for them at home. Yeah, Palace have had such a tough start um, with Liverpool and Arsenal. They're, I still think they'll be a top-10 team this season, Palace. I think uh, 
got some really good players there. And they've the transition they've had since getting Vieira in to replace Hodgson has been really strong. Like they, They've changed the way they play. They're no longer a team full of 30-something-year-olds. Got some really good young talent, uh, play fast attacking football. Um, yeah, so going to be exciting to watch them this season, I think. Yeah, I think um, just on the Liverpool side of things, I think uh, Nunez will, will start, I, I imagine. Um, he's very impressive and kind of changed Liverpool's attacking game when he came on and start second half uh, against against Fulham. Um, kind of similar to the to the Harlem point earlier, like so, so in about 40 minutes of, of football, he Nunez was involved in in six shots for his side. He took four four of them himself and created two chances um, as well. Um, so created six shots or was involved in six, six shots, but actually only only made five passes in total. So. I think with these two transfers, you know, we might be seeing the kind of rise of the the, the finishes, the, like the just kind of focusing on pure sort of shot volume, chance creation type players who aren't involved necessarily as much in in link up play and build up play. Um, I think is is a great dynamic to kind of have at your disposal, um, but definitely kind of a a change of tact from both, both those sides. From previous seasons, particularly with someone like Firmino and, and uh, Nunes, are like different players um, in terms of what they do for for the side, um, which I think is, is great for Klopp to kind of have that at his disposal. Um, so I look forward to kind of seeing if he starts, whether that sort of the the end products and nothing else is kind of what we what we see. We'll end the show in a minute by just having a look at um, actually a quote from Jurgen Klopp from his press conference where he actually talked about um, why his team are able to so many chances and, and such like so rather than we're going to sort of sub but rather than do it and then come back let's do the ending bit now because i think that's the best way of doing it uh, loads of great content for you on the analyst.com today um that you can dive into as i just give away the secrets to our trade there a little bit uh so loads of great stuff you to look at on the analyst.com of course matt's piece all about manchester united duncan alexander and not with us today but uh Definitely here in he's not died. He's not died. He's not died. He's not died. Don't he hasn't? No, no, no. He's all good. Uh, done a brilliant piece about the evolution of goalkeeper passing in 30 years in the Premier League. Uh, especially key when we're talking about obviously uh, Joe Hart and David De Gea earlier on, both of which I believe make a, an appearance in this piece. But it's well worth diving into this one to have a look. Loads of great stuff to look through, especially if goalkeeping stats is of your pleasure. We've got anything else coming up on the site today, guys? I'm just thinking. We're going to have um, a, a tactical deep dive into the Chelsea Spurs game from yesterday, um, which should be a, yeah, a fascinating read because that was a great, a great game from a kind of tactical point of view as well as all the, the fun stuff afterwards as well. So keep your eyes on that. You can find that, of course, uh, when we publish stuff on theanalyst.com or, of course, you can visit our Twitter account at OptoAnalyst. And, of course, if you want to join us there too, Join us on our TikTok account. Loads of great content for you to get involved with there. And, of course, our Instagram account as well, which steadily and steadily climbs up and does more and more stuff each and every week. Well worth diving into on that front as well. You can keep up to date with everything from us on theanalyst.com. But for now, sit there and enjoy your Monday night of football with this one. I'm sure Matt and Ollie will be. We'll all be obviously posting up the race charts, momentum graphics and shot maps from after the game today as well. One thing to keep your eye on will be that shot map of Liverpool as they look to create chances. And Jurgen Klopp explains some of the theory behind what they're trying to do. Until next time, from all of us here on the Day to Dive Live. Goodbye. It's the way we play. It's the way, it's the way we play. It's the way we bring the boys in this in the, in the situation. It's of course about their is it in the, yourself or not. 
Um, but it's the way we play, um, how we position the players, so how we how we protect the players, where we win the balls back, and all these kind of things. How we can use how the boys can use their speed in these moments when we win the balls back, and, and these kind of things. That's why there will be in a lot of goal-scoring situations, um, and that makes you then the player we remember when you, when you look back. Um, and